from the NFL. If you're Dak Prescott, individual numbers aren't enough anymore. You want to get paid? Win something. To the NBA. Who gives a about the Pelicans if Zion don't play? Across the landscape of college football. There's no such thing as a good loss in the ACC. So if you're Clemson, you better win every game. And so much more. Let's talk some sports, baby. The stories you want. Baseball is back. Basketball is almost back. And football is on the way. You love to see it. The opinions you need. Sports is what this country needs. And I truly, truly believe that. I'll let you, boy. It's Jay Wise. It's the drink. It's the beard. And it's the wisdom. I hope you brought pen and paper because class is in session. And Nathan Drinkard. Remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Jay Wise and Nathan Drinkard. I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thank you for spending some of your time with us tonight. As a reminder to all our listeners, besides being on all your favorite podcast platforms, A Drink of Wisdom is also on YouTube with each so segment available. Head on over, and if you like what you hear, we would appreciate your subscription. What's going on, fellas? Happy Friday. Got all kinds of football to talk about, man. So exciting. Football, conference finals in the NBA. It's a wonderful time of year. It kind of – it almost makes me think the shutdowns were worth it because now we have all this excellent action, just everything's going on. I don't even have time to talk baseball or anything like that, but uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk some sports, baby. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Let's roll into it. You know, it's Friday. You know, we got we got things to speak. Pull up a seat. All yours, Cody. All right. And episode four, Burrow gets battered. The NFL set sail for week two, and we're also taking a look at the college football action. But we begin tonight with a look at the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat sunk Boston once again, taking game two, 106-101. As usual, Miami trailed for much of the first half, but would ultimately storm back from down 17 to take a late lead. Miami made their big shots on the stretch while Boston failed to match. The win boosts Miami to 10-1 and this postseason, now has them two wins from the NBA Finals. Meanwhile, Boston was sent reeling into a postgame locker room confrontation. So, Jay, everything going right for Miami, it seems. How are they doing this, and can Boston do anything to get back in the series? Well, Miami's really not doing anything um, different than really they've done uh, much of the season and into the playoffs, and they're just incredibly hot right now. I mean, we've seen it. You know, you sweep the Indiana Pacers. You go up 3-0 on on the uh, Milwaukee Bucks before you knock them out in five. And you're up 2-0 on on the Boston Celtics now. That's, what is that, 10 – yeah, you know, 10 out of 11, you've won the playoffs. Just just remarkable stuff of what they're doing. And, you know, it's uh, some of it has to do with the three-point shooting. You know, they were plus 12 in this game. I believe they held a they, – they, they were only plus three in the uh, first game, which, I mean, if you're Boston, I mean, Boston made 15 threes in game one. Uh, Miami made 16 in game one. Um, Miami actually shot a lower percentage in this game um, from, three, from three, slightly lower, but they made four more threes, so that's plus 12. And um, but this was a case as you as you watch this game develop. I mean, and I believe game one was like this as well. I mean, Boston was in control for you know a, a good portion of this game, you know, into the third quarter. But at the, at the half, they led by 13. They were up by 15. You know, a few minutes into the third, and then slowly but surely, Miami started chipping away. And eventually, before you know it, you go from a 13-point lead at the half to a seven-point deficit. 
and the whole game, the whole game turned around. Now give them, now give Boston credit. You know, they kept persevering, they kept battling. Um, we actually went up by five, you know, about four and a half left in the fourth after on a Kimball Walker three. But then from there, they just kind of sort of fell apart and they got disjointed. You know, turnovers were a big problem last night. I believe they had 20 of them. Um, yeah, 19 assists, 20 turnovers. That's really not what you're looking for. Meanwhile, you, you look at Miami, 27 assists, nine turnovers, a three-to-one turnover ratio for the entire team. I mean, that's, just, that's just spectacular. And it kind of speaks to um, their ball movement, um, the, you know, the unselfishness they play with. And I was talking to Drink about this earlier. It's, a, uh, it's, an, ab- it's an absolutely amazing thing. When you look at Miami and you look at their best player, who is Jimmy Butler, but it's such a luxury in my estimation Jimmy Butler does not have to lead this team in scoring. He can have he can have relatively you know mediocre to pedestrian type nights shooting the basketball. I mean, you look at him in this game, fourteen points on four for eleven. That's nothing. That's nothing to write home about. But you know the effect that he have has on this team as far as the intangibles, the leadership that we've lauded him for all season. Um, we talked about how Philadelphia has missed that. We talked about how, you know, things weren't going well in Minnesota because, you know, those young dudes, it just didn't mesh with Carl, with Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins. But now he comes to Miami and, it, you know, and he is empowered to such a degree with these young guys who are willing to follow him and play hard and they know what it's like and they know what it takes to be great. Um, and, I've, and I've said this quite a few times. These rookies do not play like rookies. When you look at Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson – Kendrick Nunn, I mean, think about Kendrick Nunn and how great he was. He was, what, third and rookie, uh, second second or third and rookie of the year voting. Um, and he can barely get minutes right now. You know, what you're seeing from Miami is they're kind of shrinking down their rotation a little bit to where they're going with their starting five. Uh, they're giving Tyler Hero a lot of minutes. Those are really the six guys getting major minutes when you look at uh, Robinson Hero and then Butler, Adebayo, Crowder, and Drogic. Uh, but Spolstra's cut down on the rotation, but we know how I mean, their depth is outstanding. You still have Olenek, uh, Iguodala, and uh, Kendrick Nunn, and just a, just a smidgen of Derrick Jones in there. But you think about Miami, Miami to me is the team with the superior depth right now, particularly with Gordon Hayward still out, and I do think he's on the way back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but, that's a big, but that's, that appears to be a big deal right now. And I also told the drink this earlier, and I thought I had this right, and it did turn out to be, be correct. The loss of Gordon Hayward did not affect them, even though the series went seven. They, I, I believe they would be able to overcome that loss because Toronto, in my estimation, just didn't have the firepower. So you didn't need Gordon Hayward's extra, you know, 15 to 20 points a game. You could get by with just, um, you know, Kemba, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown doing the thing. Um, not quite so in this series, you know, because if you look beyond um, those three guys without Hayward, and, you know, that's not to – no disrespect to Marcus Smart – but really beyond Marcus Smart, um, because we don't look at Tice as a guy who's going to put up major numbers um, consistently. So beyond, you know, those three um, big guns and Marcus Smart, you're kind of you're looking around and looking, you know, where are the points going to come? If, if one of those guys, you know, is on, a str- is on the struggle bus and, you know, it's hard to look at that, you know, the, um, the Boston Celtics bench and see where the points are coming from. Um, so the, the uh, Gordon Hayward being out these first two games, I think that has, an, that has had an effect. Um, on this series but overall I mean to me Miami's just the the team right now you know obviously they're more hot they're, they they appear to be more together based on you know the foolishness going on in the Boston Celtics locker room um, and it looks like Miami is more sure of themselves they know who their closer is they know who their leader is 
they seem to be the team right now that is more sure of themselves from an identity perspective. Um, Boston, not so. When you look at how the, uh, the sloppy way they finished the game last night, um, it's just something that we don't quite expect from a, from a Brad Stevens team. But remember, you think about they're really the, – if you look to a guy that would lead this team, it would probably be Kimball Walker. But Kimball Walker's been struggling, you know, for, uh, lately in these playoffs. He was okay last night. But, I mean, we talked about Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Those are the guys that got to carry you. But they do, they do need help. And right now, particularly without Gordon Hayward, um, that loss to me is coming back to, to bite them just a little bit. And 2-0 is not where you want to be right now. The series is not over, but, of course, you can't lose game three. Yeah, um, I, look, to keep it short and sweet and to the point, look, here's the deal. We already said this fight is – this series is about the trenches, right? And, and the bottom line is this. Miami is more grittier. They want it more. If you actually look at the end of most of these games, these are not blowouts. These are not games where one team is superior than the other one. We already discussed that. The, the problem is Boston, when it comes down to it, they let Miami outgrit them. So to answer your question, what can they do? They could just be a little – they can bring out a little more dog in the final three minutes of the game. That's what they can do and, and not let Miami outwork them. They was down by 17 points. You, you, so you could play ball. You, we, we see you can do some things to Miami, but can you hold on to that? Can you show that dog when it matters most at the end of the game? And to Jay's point, Listen, Miami, hey, supposed to, let me get four guys in Jimmy Butler. You know why he don't care? Because all five of those guys, when they get on the court, they know they roll. We ain't going to argue about this. We ain't going to debate about this. Hey, Jimmy, go, go, go let them know what needs to happen, and we're going to make this happen. It don't matter. This is probably the only team that's left in the playoffs that can roll out Jimmy Butler, three rookies, and bam, out of bio. And, <laughs> hey, we got it. Sign us up. Let's go win this game. They know their roles. And, and just like Jay said, Boston are a little confused right now. Who's the leader? Is it Kemba? Is it Jason Tatum? Is it Marcus Smart? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we doing here? That's why they're getting into arguments with each other. Because when, when the Lakers go lose a game, you don't hear, hey, Anthony Davis got in an argument with LeBron James. No. Because Anthony Davis, no. LeBron, is he's the leader. I'm the talent. And, and all the other guys play their role. We're going to keep this thing going, baby. So it, it's just one of those things. They need to find their identity. And to Jay's point, this is the first series where that mattered. It mattered who will be doing what. Because now you're playing a team that knows who is doing what. Now, when it comes to the last two minutes of the game, you're struggling to figure out, just give just taking the ball, let him get it. Who should have it? Should it be Kemba? I mean, Kemba got the, the larger pedigree of the three. Why is he not taking the last shot? Oh, well, you know, Jason Tatum, he's a ascending star. Let him take the last shot. So it, it's just one of them things where, like, they have to figure it out because they're not, you know, they're in these games. They just got to figure out what they're doing. Brad Stevens got to, you know, drop his cojones and say, hey, li listen, listen, we, we, you, I'm going to drop this play for Kemba. 
Kimball, you need to decide how, how this go. Or, I'm going to drop this play for Jason Tatum. You need to decide how this go. Because that's all it is. That at the end of the day, you can tell me whatever about the three-point shooting. You can tell me whatever about the, the rookies. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to the fact that Miami has their stuff together and Boston don't. That's all it is to it. These games are a lot – they're too close for me to sit here and they're like, Miami is so much superior than Boston. Or Boston don't deserve to be on the same court as Miami. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about get it done when you need to get it done. And um, another thing, listen, you can go fight and do all this other crap you want to do in the locker room. Yeah, that sounds good. And have, have a good old time. But if you go out here and lose again, what, what, what did you really do? Create another storyline of why you don't deserve to be here or something? That's all you do. You get a hater something to hate about. It's like, I don't want to hear this, uh, hey, Jason Taylor was really, uh, no, uh, Marcus Smart was really fed up. And, you know, he, he had to let Jalen Brown know, and he threw a bottle. Okay, that sounds good. Why Jimmy Butler still over here shooting commercials and going to get you on up out of here. So you keep on with this bull crap. You keep on with, with this back and forth. And it's, it's ridiculous. Um, but like I said, that to me, the only thing that can get Boston back into this series is when Boston goes back to identifying who needs to do what. Gordon Hayward looked like he might be back here soon. He could, he could uh, dress up for game three. I'm not saying he'll be a huge like factor, but I would say this. Gordon Hayward play like he know his role. I've never seen, like, he comes off the bench, he give you, uh, like Jay said, 15, 20 points, whatever, and he fine with it. He don't need to take the last shot. He don't need to be the star. He just comes in, does what he do, leave, and it is what it is. So maybe that might help him get back into their roles. But as far as I'm concerned, they're going to get swept if they keep on with this, this uh, clown show that they got going on. And can I, yeah, let me jump back in just quickly on that point about Gordon Hayward. I think it would be smart, and I know, um, you know, Brad Stevens, Gordon Hayward, you know, they go way back. But I think in this situation right now, I think Marcus Smart has played really well, and I've talked about this. Uh, I think Cody and me have talked about this just a little bit. Marcus Smart, to me, would fit better in that starting lineup because what it, what good – really, what's the value in having really four kind of all-star level scores in the lineup, whereas put in Marcus Smart in the starting lineup, you know, max him out on minutes. He's the dog on this team that you need. And I think you need him right away. And then mm -hmm. let Gordon, to me, let Gordon Hayward um, come off the bench. It kind of, you know, fi fixes your depth a little bit and makes it a little more equal playing field as far as the depth. And let him lead that second unit. That might actually be what uh, he needs to maybe get him going, get, get some offense running through him. I think, I think Brad Stevens would be wise to go that way. Whereas moving smart back to the bench and maybe disrupting some of that rhythm that he's had in this playoff run. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, that's, that's a good point. And you look at the, just look at the box score last night after your main three guys, your Tatum Brown smart combo, you know, Dice had six points, Canner had nine points. I think he had a, I think he had a pretty early uh, start. You know, he, he had some good stuff early, but he's a guy you can't play that long in the playoffs without having some mismatch problems. So, you know, Hayward would probably buoy them a lot, but you know, I think in the bigger picture, it seems like Miami is just in their head right now. I mean, and, and we, this isn't new. 
I mean, you remember back to the Milwaukee series. I, I really feel like after the game, like really game two, the Bucks were just straight up demoralized. I mean, they you just you you could tell game three, and even before Giannis got hurt, they didn't really move the same. They didn't really have that same urgency. They they kind of ran like they had like mud in their shoes. Like they like I think they stripped that aura of invincibility off Giannis, and it just they didn't seem like to play like the same team. And it feels like Boston, you, you see, you're seeing the same cracks now. Right. And it just feels like this team is this Miami team is just such this perfect combination of shooting and defense coaching and everything. And, you know, I don't think that happened game one. I think, you know, you just Miami made a few more plays, but game two, same thing. Got a big double digit lead. You storm back, you take it and in the fourth quarter, last five minutes, everything goes right for you. And the train comes off the tracks for them. And I, like I, you take an example Dragic had a series where he pretty much messed around the whole shot clock. This was in the last five minutes of the game. He was messing around. Boston was playing good. I mean, they were playing good defense on him. They were cutting off his passing lanes. And he wound up having to just heave some random contested three, and then he drilled it. And the next possession on defense, Boston just looked like they couldn't even do anything. I mean, you look at the offensive rebounds. Uh, the Heat had 11, and Boston had six. You add that into your turnover deficit and your assist deficit, I mean – no wonder you lost the game, but just by five points, which is amazing in itself. Like you said, Drink, these are two pretty evenly matched teams, but you have enough of those statistics against you. It ain't going to matter how well you're playing if that's all that stacked against you. So I think that it's just you look at overall, like Miami's at the better coaching right now. They've got the closer right now. They've got the mental advantage right now. And it's really going to take a lot, I think, to get this Boston team back. Uh, I think besides the Gordon Hayward point, I think Jalen Brown needs to be a little more involved in the offense. I just – I don't, maybe it's just me, but I get the feeling he's not involved enough. I remember, like, down the stretch of that game, he didn't – he had the two big threes late in the game, right. right? But, like, outside of that, was he getting a lot of touches? Like, I don't, I don't remember him doing a whole lot. I mean, I just feel like – I don't know. I just feel like some of these guys aren't as involved as they could be. You that's because you got Kemba Walker dribbling the, the half of the shot clock running around in the circle. That's, then he yeah. decides to pass it in under 10 seconds. It's a little yeah. hard to run off of. Yeah, shoot. Uh, and that, and that just goes kind of yeah. back to what, uh, you know, to Drink's point about guys knowing their roles. I mean, Miami knows their roles. I mean, it's typically in the fourth quarter, it's going to be Jimmy Butler, you know, going to work and, um, you know, making the right reads, whether, you know, drawing double teams um, and kicking the ball out to it and getting the, uh, getting the defense scrambling rotations and, find, you know, winding up with a three-point shot. Or it's going to be some version of a Goran Dragic pick, pick and roll, which we know how lethal he is, particularly when he gets to his left. He's been absolutely outstanding in these, in these playoffs. Um, there's no denying it. And, um, you know, I think, and I think a guy, and it's really easy to overlook when you talk about Jimmy Butler and all these shoes, Bam Adebayo is a terrific, terrific player. Just his all around game. Does he, when he, he is a lethal, well, he is a lethal rim runner. He plays above the rim and I mean, he just does, there's really nothing that he does not do well. The only thing he doesn't have is a perimeter shot and the way Miami is constructed, he doesn't need one because everybody else has one. Like, I, I'm not going to say he got the same talent as Anthony Davis, but I feel like his role is similar to Anthony Davis on the Lakers. Like, yes, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is the star. LeBron is the, the, the lead guy, the star lead guy. But what would that team be without this one guy? And then you, it makes you think, like, he's the glue guy. He is the, the, the finishing touch on this product that makes it what it is. All right, well, game three is Saturday. Just quick programming note, though. The game four will not be until next Wednesday due to the Western Conference Finals and Monday Night Football. So if these teams, uh, whatever the result is uh, Saturday, they will have to wait till Wednesday to play game four. Okay. All right, guys, let's go ahead and kick over to Thursday Night Football and the battle of the first overall picks. 
Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and company notched a 35-30 win over Cincinnati on the road, getting their first win of the season. It was a dominant game from Cleveland's rushing attack as Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for 210 yards on 32 carries, good for six and a half yards per. Bengals rookie quarterback did his best to combat that. Old Joe Burrow threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns, but it wasn't enough. So, Drake, what's up most to you about last night's game? Well, two things, and you and you mentioned one in the lead in is the that Browns run game and and, and the Bengals offensive line. Uh, listen, uh, I thought I thought Joe Burrow played pretty doggone good with the fact that um that so their offensive line it fell asleep a lot of times. It really did. Miles Garrett, let me tell you something. He made quite a few plays, but that that strip sack over there by the goal line that that was um. That was something. And then the Browns did what you should do. You punch it in like two, three plays later and call it a day. Um, but listen, me and Jay, we was talking about this earlier. Hey, Safansky, what are we doing here? You got the recipe right there. If I give you the recipe to make the make the pie, just make the pie. Just don't, don't give me no bull crap. Don't ask me about a substitute. Don't ask me do I would I rather this or no, no, no. I gave you the recipe. Let's use that. And that's what the Browns got last night. I don't want to see Baker Mayfield throwing it 40 times. That, get that out of there. That, that recipe is disgusting. That business went out of business. Now, I gave you the one that could be successful. Run the ball. You have two elite runners back there, and they chomping at the bit. Oh, by the way, we, we talked about this. What, what did you do this offseason? Oh, you only took Jack Conklin, the guy that Tennessee wanted back really, really bad, and you brought him over. And what did you do with your first pick? Oh, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama? So clearly, you made an emphasis on making that offensive line capable to block and pass. So why not use them? Listen, and I know this for a fact. Offensive linemen would rather push than pull, meaning they would rather block, run block, then pass block. So let them do that. Give them, let them do what they have their strength to do, right? So in a nutshell, I, you know, I was in – I like what the Browns did. I did pick the Bengals before the game because I just thought the Browns was going to come out and do Browns things, come out here with the flippity flop, flop, flip. And, you know, Baker Mayfield throw it 50 times for no apparent reason or whatnot, and, and his tight end dies on the – uh, primetime TV, but that that's not what happened. Um, on the flip side, to give a little credit, hey, Joe Burrow, he tried. Hey, he gave it what he got. Um, 61 attempts is a bit much, um, but it wasn't his fault. It, it wasn't his fault that his defense was getting steamrolled over there and, you know, the Browns kept the ball most of the time and he had to play catch up. He tried, but he found out it's levels to this. This ain't LSU, buddy. These dudes getting paid a lot to knock your head off, so you best be with it. Um, but I, I thought I thought he did good. Um, listen, Joe Mixon, what is that? Are you forty-six? Come on, Joe Mixon, really? That that ain't gonna cut it. Help your quarterback out, man. AJ Green, AJ, I was up. I, the the most disappointing performance last night for me was AJ Green for both teams. You think AJ he's hurt? Green. You think he's hurt? Either he's hurt or he's unmotivated. Right. One of the two. He hurt or unmotivated. I they don't know which him, so. one it is. So I don't I don't know. But that ain't it. Like I seen it was a clear pass, and I want to say this was in the third quarter. Joe Burrow threw the pass slightly behind him. It was behind him. Not gonna deny that. But AJ Green got a hand on the pass. I'm come on, AJ Green. You gotta catch that. 
Come on, man. You 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 at one time was a one of the top five receivers in the league. Come on, man. Really? And so I don't know what that's about. I thought Tyler Boyd played very well for Joe Burrow. He was probably the go-to guy for Joe Burrow last night between him and the, and the tight end Azuma, but you know, he got hurt and he ended up leading the game, leaving the game. So oh, Tyler Boyd, I, I thought he showed up, but you know. You can't ask this guy to come out here and be your franchise quarterback when your franchise wide receiver is over here at, at McDonald's trying to get a number one with extra max sauce. That's not it. You, we need you to show up, buddy. This is a primetime game. This was a game that you could have made people put some respect on the Bengals' name, and you sitting out here limping around, coming in here with the part-time attitude. Like, yo, you, no, it's no quarantine. I need you to catch the ball. I need you to help out the quarterback. So uh, I was a little uh, a turd with that. I was upset. Um, I thought A.J. Green could have played better. But all in all, I had to put some respect on that run game. Nick Chubb played awesome. Kareem Hunt, I thought, played awesome. If you, if you have a one-two punch, that's what you want your one-two punch to do, what they did last night. And they took the pressure off Baker Mayfield. I even heard uh, Baker Mayfield ask what his next commercial idea should be because he had a chance to actually sit over there and think. But listen, and you actually see the wide receivers over there talking to him. You see Jarvis Landry. You see uh, Odell Beckham. You see Austin Hoover. They're over there talking to him, and they're saying, hey, look here, champ. Lift your head up. This is the way we're going to have to play, then. This is what we got to play. When you get your opportunities to throw the ball, make sure you, you're crisp and precise. But listen, Savansky, you already looking better than Freddie Kitchens because you already seem like you're you catching on to something. Mate, listen. Make me proud and do more of this this year so I don't seem like a stream dumbass for saying that you was going to come in there and fix something, all right? Oh, wow. So with that said, like I said, the Browns run game, I thought that stood out. And the Bengals offensive line, they, they got to tighten up. They got to they gotta help their franchise quarterback stay off the ground because it, it got a little bit ridiculous last night. Yeah, let me start. Let me start in the uh, just a big picture overall. You know, I like to shout out the NFL sometimes. You know, we know we know these Thursday night football games from time to time. You know, they're just kind of, you know, let's just let's just throw these random teams in there and give them. You know, it's kind of like the token primetime matchup. That's what this is. That's what this really is. But I think the NFL should be pleased because yeah, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see your fellows in there next week against Miami. It's not a Tennessee week. game. You can't you can't take that from us. <laughs> I, that, hey, you're right. At least it's not, yeah. At least it's not Tennessee and Jacksonville. So I got a little uh, a little variety brewing here. So credit to them. I'm just pleased as punch and looking forward to that one. But I mean, I, you, you got to hold. You got to consider this as a as a win for the NFL. You know, you get 65 points from the state of Ohio. That is uh, that's thrilling. You know, 65 points from these two bumbling franchises, because that's what they still are. I mean, as much as we want to think that they're improving, and, you know, and, and they are. And then Cincinnati, you know, they could, they really couldn't get worse. And, and Cleveland, I don't, I don't know if Cleveland could get worse based on, you know, their talent relative to what they what the output was last year. Much, much had to do with the, uh, you know, the just abhorrent head coaching hire made by the now unemployed John Dorsey. Hey, these dudes, I mean, you, th you talk about being inept, you know, accumulating all that talent and just, you know, hiring some, some dope who've been, a, you know, in the same, at the same level of coaching for like, you know, 15 years. I mean, the guy was a t tight end coach for like 10 years. I'm getting way off track with Freddie Kitchens, but listen, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Really? But the big, uh, the, the, the big takeaways though here is um, I still think we really don't know anything about Cleveland yet. 
I mean, they got boat raced by Baltimore. And, we, I, you know, I think we all think Baltimore is just going to be a repeat of what they are last year. If Lamar Jackson improves at all throwing the football, um, they're going to be, you know, close to unstoppable. Um, and, then, and then you look at, you know, you're rolling against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is quite the opposite. It's like if you can't beat Cincinnati, then there's probably no hope for you. And um, even, even after – even beating Cincinnati, I mean, how, how impressive really was this? I mean, they, they, they were good in some areas, but it wasn't what you'd call a, uh, you know, picture-perfect performance. There's a couple areas that they were really good in. I think uh, drinks right on the money. I think this was something that maybe uh, they kind of figured out last year. Um, but their running game is something I think they're going to have to lead on. And when you have, uh, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you have that, one, that type of one-two punch. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Um, and, of course, we know, you know, a running game is a quarterback's best friend. I think Baker Mayfield, he's definitely a guy that could definitely, you know, he could benefit from that. Um, that's going to lead to, uh, you know, kind of more, you know, conservative numbers in the passing game. I hope I hope guys like Odell Beckham are okay with that because their numbers are going to suffer due to that. Um, that's kind of how they're going to they're gonna have to play because I got to I gotta be honest with you. I'm not – I'm still not all that confident in Baker Mayfield. He's the guy that's got to, you know, throw the ball, like Drew said, 40 times to win a football game. I just don't see it. I think they're one of those teams that's going to have to play from ahead, just like they did last night. You think about it, they were up, you know, multiple scores for uh, most of that second half. You know, Cincinnati kept battling back to their credit. And uh, but to, to Cincinnati, you know, you look at what they're uh, what they've got going on right now. It looks like the problem there's a there's a structural problem that they still have, um, and it's up front on both sides. I mean, you look at uh, you know you give up 215 rushing yards. You know that, that just says you're weak you're weak up front on defense, and then. You know, you really couldn't run the football with Joe Mixon and then um, the pass protection. And I'm surprised it wasn't more than three sacks. It seemed like Joe Burrow was under uh, duress for, you know, much of this game. Um, but overall, and, 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 and one quick point on Joe Burrow, you know, this is uh, – you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, yeah, Joe Burrow, you want to pick him with the uh, number one overall pick, but he's not bringing – you know, he's not bringing Justin Jefferson, Joe Brady, Claude Edwards-Hilaire. None of these dudes are coming with him. Um, so there's going to be growing pains. You're going to hold your fair share of L's because the team just isn't all that good, and we see that now, uh, particularly, like I said, up front on both sides of the ball. Um, so that's gonna, I think that's going to be a challenge for him. I think he's got the mental toughness and wherewithal to overcome that. Um, but I, think, I do think that's the biggest challenge for him. And although I will say, he, to me, Joe Burrow has looked okay so far. I think, uh, I think you can be satisfied with you, what you've got so far. Um, their weaponry isn't terrible, and you're right. I, I would like to see a little bit more out of AJ Green. Um, I think I think uh, I think motivation is a question mark with him. Remember, I, I've been uh, and I've been on this for a long time now. I think they've done I think they've done that man wrong. Um, when you look at a guy that has done that much for that organization, and uh, I think when you look at the rebuilding of that franchise, you know it it would make all the sense in the world to just either pay the man or let him go to a team that might actually win something because Cincinnati is just not there yet. Yeah, just a quick note on that. Uh, he is playing on the franchise tag this season. After making it clear, he did not want to be tagged, either one to be released or paid. So, mm -hmm. and after, you know, the injury year he had, and year before that, he wasn't that great. So, like, you could have probably got a nice, reasonable deal done. And it sounds like he would have done that to stay with the team. And instead, they opted to do neither. So, that, that stinks for him. But, um, yeah, I, I really like what I saw with Joe Burrow last night. I'm not going to gush over Cleveland much. I, I, this is what we expect out of this team at this point, right? I mean, the, the level of talent they have, it's win now or just go back to being Cleveland because th th this there's no more – like, this crap is over, right? You know, you, you've got this Chubb-Hunt backfield's ridiculous. You know, they, they've got Odell Beckham. they got Mayfield. I mean, th this team should be good. They've only loaded up on more talent this offseason. You should do this every game. And like you said, Jay, like, 35-30 – there was some garbage time heroics, you know, like, eh. but 
still, I mean, this doesn't feel – you feel like you should have went in there and just handled this game with the way they are running the ball and whatnot. But that's neither here nor there. They got, they got the job done. They won. So we do have some kind of an adult in the room. But, you know, I think there's a lot of hope if you're a Bengals fan. You know, I, I know the moral victory thing gets all – trust me, I know all about them. I mean, I, I hate getting pat on the head for a loss. That's okay, buddy, because your quarterback did some stuff. You're like, okay, dude, whatever. But – I think, you know, obviously the trenches are their problem. It's not Joe Burrow. Uh, let me give you a couple numbers last night. It's, oh, yeah, 61 pass attempts. That is second most in NFL history for a rookie, trailing only FSU Heisman Trophy winner Chris Winkie. That's 63 uh, hoist performance, and that's just one ahead of Carson Wentz. He had one of those rookie debuts where he threw 60 in one night. But of those, he was pressured 21 times, hit seven times, and sacked an additional three times on 64 total dropbacks. And if you want to add in a seven scrambles, that's 17 hits he took throughout the game. That's not going to cut it. I mean, this man's pretty big. He's pretty tough, it looks like. And he said he felt good after the game. But you, you try that week 13 when it's 14 degrees out there and you're getting smacked by the Ravens again. Like, have, yeah, tell me how that goes. But but what's more interesting is that Cleveland or uh, Cincinnati actually thrived in the empty set. So according to ESPN Stats and Info, Burrow was 14 to 21 for 129 yards and had all three of his touchdowns in the empty set. He had just one pressure in that set. You remember, they ran that in LSU a lot. I mean, they loved that setup in LSU, empty back field burrow does this thing and all other formations he was 23 29 187 and he was pressured or hit on 47 percent of his dropbacks so you know we we know that he he's fearless when he steps up in the pocket he he's got a quick mind to make those reads against the defense and i thought he was throwing the ball i thought he looked good you know and he's all hey, he's also got those wheels so those empty sets help out because you have a less chance to have a spy set so there's a lot of good to like here um from Burrow, but yeah, you're not winning the game when your rookie quarterback's throwing the ball 60 times. I don't want Tom Brady or Drew Brees throwing the ball 60 times in a game, you know, so that's not just Joe Burrow. And also, two, your defense is giving up 200 yards per game on the ground, averaging five yards a carry. That is it's not going to do it. And what's sad for Cincinnati is they actually spent money on this defense. They don't ever spend money on anything ever. They bought DJ Reader in, they brought Mackenzie Alexander in. That's not even, there's some other dudes they brought in. And, Trey Waynes? Yep, yeah, Trey Waynes. And, and, by the way wasn't i skeptical on like every one of those acquisitions i was like yeah, what are we I doing so. throwing out all this money to dudes who are just i don't consider any of these dudes household names but yeah you know, they, they really were to do and especially you got a guy like dj reader and that's you're still giving up that kind of yards per game and you got one job man but anyway you know cincinnati could be 2-0 if they could kick field goals and stop the run you know both these games were possibly winnable but Hey, you know what is what it is. You're owing two. And Joe Burrow said, Hey man, I'm I'm owing two. I don't like it. This sucks. And I like hearing that from these guys saying, No, I'm not gonna accept this. This is crap. I'm gonna go win some games. And you know this man hasn't lost a whole lot in his career. So see how it goes. All right, fellas, it is week two in the NFL, and, well, week one was full of surprises, and something tells me this week won't be much different. Vikings, Colts, Steelers, Broncos, and Rams, Eagles headline the 1 p.m. action, while Chiefs and Chargers and Ravens, Texans wrap up the afternoon slate. Yet Pat's heading to Seattle Sunday night, and the Saints are taking on Gruden's Grinders on Monday. So ahead of week two in the NFL, we got five questions we're going to run down, and we'll go ahead and start with number one. This one's for you, Jay. So Kansas City, obviously taking that fireworks show they've got to L.A. to play the Chargers. Uh, the solid Bills team comes to Miami, and neither team's quarterback in week one, which is Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick, had amazing games. Uh, at least Tyrod did win his game against Cincinnati because they can't kick. But uh, do we see the rookie quarterbacks in Tua and Justin Herbert, one of those guys, take over him this week? 
Well, no, I, I think the short answer is no, um, especially definitely not starting. And we got we to think about this. I mean, Kansas City and Buffalo being your respective opponents. I mean, do we really, really want to throw uh, Justice Herbert in there um, in the fire and, you know, try to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, that, that seemed like a very um, unintelligent decision by one Anthony Lynn. Um, I got to believe he's a better coach than that. And, I mean, it, it, it's week two. I mean, I, I fully expect um, Her- Herbert's going to get some time eventually because, you know, the Chargers aren't going to be all that good. And I think the same, is, the same can be said for the Dolphins. Um, if, if they're confident in Tua's health, he's going to get the field eventually. We see this with rookie quarterbacks all the time. I mean, we were talking about, like, Dwayne Haskins last season. Oh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? No, he's going to play because they spent a 15th overall pick um, on the guy, and they're just not good. That's what happens. This happens all the time with teams that draft uh, quarterbacks, you know, high in the first round. Um, but, I, but again, it's, it's the same thing to me for, um, for Miami. I mean, you really want, you know, you really want to trot two out there against this Buffalo Bills defense, which we know how solid they are. Like you said, uh, this is a really good defense with a really good defensive-minded head coach in Sean McDermott. It's not the time for me. It's not the time for either one of these guys. We'll see him later on, but not this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Jay. And it's basically because I don't think I, – I could be wrong. I, I don't think Tua is – I don't want to say healthy because I, I don't want to say he's unhealthy. I just don't think he's ready for that. that game quite, ready, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not quite ready to go out here and mess around with somebody that actually know what they're doing on defense right now. Like, I don't think you want to put your franchise uh, quarterback through that. So I, I don't think we see him. And then Justin Herbert, I mean, the only, the only way we see him is if Tyrod Taylor come out and stink up the joint. He got to really stink, I mean, stink it up. Because at the end of the day, we, we have to understand, we still got the cloud of COVID hanging over everybody. So if you have, you know, a less than stellar season, but you can keep your franchise quarterback engaged, kind of like, hey, learning, 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 and you don't have to rush them in, why not? Now, here's the problem. You also have these other quarterbacks that's out here seeing what Joe Burrow is doing, and they want to bite at the apple. Like, I, I want to be out here, you know, looking like I'm a future, you know, star in the, in, the, in, the, in the league when Joe Burrow doing it. But at the end of the day, Cincinnati had no choice. The rest of these franchises got a choice. Who who the hell was Cincinnati gonna try it out there if it wasn't Joe Burrow? Andy Dalton. You know, Andy Dalton, he's here, you know. And the dog wearing a star now. So, you know, they didn't have choice. But when you're talking about the charges, you know, Tyrod Taylor can win you some games as a starter. Fitzpatrick can win you some games as a starter. So you have a choice. So to answer that question, yeah, I don't I don't think you see neither one of these guys. Um it would have to be a blowout of great proportion. And let's be real here. The Chargers ain't blowing out no Chiefs. And I don't think the Dolphins is blowing out no, no Bills. So it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I don't think you see either one of those guys. Yeah, I was maybe thinking that in the opposite, whereas, like, you know, the Chiefs come out here and they're they're up 30 at halftime. You know, do we maybe see that? Or maybe the Bills go out there and do the same thing to Miami. Less likely, but, you know, the Bills are still pretty decent. Um, I, I, don't, I, think, I think I agree. I don't think either one of them would come out. I think the more likely one – would be um, 
Tua for Fitzpatrick because he threw some picks and he didn't look. I mean, Tyrod Taylor did the did the Tyrod Taylor game. I mean, he did this, he, what he does every week. Where Fitzpatrick didn't have that kind of magic to him he normally has. So if there was one, I could see Tua coming in first. But yeah, I think y'all are. I think we'll see either one of them. Right, let's go ahead and move on. Drink. Uh, so Jacksonville, Washington, and Chicago could all be two and zero on Sunday night. The Jaguars travel to Tennessee. Uh, Washington goes to Arizona, and Chicago is hosting the Giants. So of these three teams that no one really thought was going to be that good, which team would be the most shocking to see at 2-0 tomorrow night? I'm going to go with Washington. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Washington or Arizona. Listen, um, I, I just – listen, I, I, I trust um, Ron Rivera a little more than I trust um, – I, Jacksonville and Chicago at this time. You know, well, listen. Just real quick to clarify, it's not who is most likely. It is if they're all 2-0, who would be the most surprising to see? Oh, I'm so, oh yeah. okay. All right, my bad. Oh, oh shoot, shoot. I think I'm going with Jacksonville because uh, I can only name you like two players on that team. I'm, so, I'm, I mean, listen. That's fair. Listen, you know, I, I ain't trying to knock on them because they're your team. But, listen, you know just as well as I know. Jacksonville, they've been hosting a yard sale on their team for like the last two seasons. Like, let's be real here. Let's call it what it is. And the people that they decided to keep don't want to be there. So it just it's very hard for me to see, you know, that they're gonna go two and zero or go, you know. But hey, it's the NFL during the COVID season, and we didn't seen a lot more craziness. So you know, maybe they can. But I, I'm thinking I gotta go with Jacksonville, man, because. The only thing they got going on over there is old mystery. Then everything else is hit or miss. Let's just flip a coin. This might work. That might work. Bring in the wrestling company. We're going to promote that. Like, I, you know, it, it's mystery. And then it's that little pool thing y'all got at the arena. Those are the two main attractions. Everything yeah, else cool. is just a sidebar. So, yeah, I think I got to go with Jacksonville on this one. I think the I think the I'll take this a little bit of a different angle. I think the least surprising team that would go two and zero would be Chicago, just because the Giants really aren't that good, and neither are the Lions. Even though it took a miracle comeback by Trubisky to you know shock, you know shock good old Bob the Builder as Drink likes to call him. Um, yeah, but I think I think both other teams would be it would be um, quite surprising, and you could you could probably use the word shocking. Uh, I think Jacksonville though going two and zero and beating Tennessee this week would be more shocking this week. Um, last week's Washington win was more shocking than Jacksonville's, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, to to go up, to caveat on what Drink said about um, Jacksonville, Dave Caldwell, he seems like the type of dude who, like, you know, GMs are like calling him about all these players that are just on, you know, on the, um, you know, on the trade market, and he just seems like a type of dude probably just is listing them on Craigslist or something ridiculous like that. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, it's just an absolute clown show down West. there. I mean, just, I mean, which is just, I mean, you have to give credit. You got, you know, what? you got to give credit to the players and you, you got to give credit to, you know, a guy like Minshew, you know, he goes out there and completes 19, 20 passes and absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they, if they can beat Tennessee, I think that would be shocking because I mean, their, their defense to me is full of holes. It doesn't look like, it looks like it's going to have trouble uh, holding up to the run. Um, to to opponent run games, you know, despite the fact that you got such you know defensive stalwarts in there, I mean, the likes of like Taven Bryan. I mean, what a fearsome dude! And how do you even? Um, how do you? Even... But yeah, that would I, I think I think if Jacksonville goes two and zero, that would be the most shocking. Even though Washington winning again, that would be shocking as well. 
Yeah, but they're close. I think the thing with Washington, you have to think about is one, they came back from 17 0, you know, down. That doesn't really happen that often in the NFL to begin with, especially not when you're not very gifted on offense to start with. I mean, if you have a defense down 17 0, it's like, oh, well, you know, pack it in. And then also, you're going to Arizona, who suddenly looks really good, and he just knocked off the a team that was in the Super Bowl last year uh, on the road, I'm pretty sure. So that would be really impressive. And, and again, Chicago's up here, but I, you know, the schedule is like, you should probably beat the Lions and the, and the Giants. Um, I'll say for the Jags, you know, they, they haven't won in Tennessee since 2013 and they would go from knocking off a division rival who looks like they'd be in the playoffs. And then they would follow it up by beating who was one that was just in the AFC championship and pretty much does the exact opposite of what the Jaguars do well, uh, you know, obviously, which is running the ball versus stopping the run. So I think it's pretty close, but I, I might have to edge Jacksonville as well, but Washington would be almost equally as impressive they take care of arizona all right let's go ahead and move on to number three jay i think it's fair to say that minnesota philly and indy were all pretty big upsets in week one all losing so which of these playoff hopeful teams has the biggest bounce back in week two uh, philly's going to host the rams and indy and minnesota are going to play well that's a tough one i think it's fair to say uh you know all of those teams you know it would it would it would uh, be in their best interest to um you know you know, get uh, get in the win column. You know, I think the most critical. I think the team that is most critical for them to win the game uh, this week is Minnesota. I think they really need this game against Indianapolis, uh, and much of it has to do with the uh, the, the situation in the division. Um, Green Bay came in there against Minnesota last week, and you know, Aaron Rodgers, just for whatever reason, with one wide receiver and uh, you know three iPhone cases, just came out there and threw for 364 yards and four touchdowns. Um, so Minnesota, they clearly got some work to do in that secondary um, to get things straight. Um, but because of the fact that they are playing in a division with Aaron Rodgers um, and uh, that the AFC South to me, Indianapolis, yeah, they could they could lose the first two games. And I don't think it's going to be, you know, it, it may it, it's going to be a struggle to get back um, in the thick of things. But that division is not going to be very good to me. I think nine wins could win you the division and they can overcome an 0-2 start. Um, and the same, you know, honestly, the same can be said for Philadelphia. I mean, no, we know how mediocre that division is. I mean, even though Washington got off to a good start, um, it's hard to see them being incredibly successful this year, as much as we like that front seven. Um, and, and we know that New York Giants are not serious um, in all of this. Um, so I would say I, I would look for Minnesota to have a big bounce back week because this game is probably it's most this week two matchup out of these three teams is most important to them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh <clears throat> Definitely like what uh, Jay said about Minnesota. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with Philly, only because I think Philly took the biggest punch in the face of the three teams. Um, you Listen, you're the Super Bowl champs, um, Carson Wentz, former MVP candidate, you know what I'm saying? And, and you lose to a team that don't even want to name a logo. Like, what, what are we doing here? And not only did that, you had a 17-point lead and you lost. So I think of, of these three teams, they took the biggest, you know, you know, criticism, like, what are we doing here? I think they have the most to prove. And um, so I, I think I got to go with Philly. I think Philly bounced back. They get their stuff together. And, and look, the Rams out here with the, the, the American Express card, and they out here, you know, showing off their new toys. They just keep paying guys and keep paying guys. And, um, we, you know, I think they have the, the, the make – to beat the Rams after how I seen the Rams play last week. I'm going up that. Um, so, yeah, Carson Wentz, got a, he got to bounce back. <laughs> he got to bounce back. Dougie P got to bounce back. It, it's some stuff that need to happen in Philly. 
because they took a lot of heat for that bull, bull job that they pulled, they rolled out last week. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with Philly. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing for um, – I, I think Minnesota is probably the biggest team that really needs the bounce back here. I would agree with Jace because, again, you know, your division's really bad or, or really good. So, if you, losing two is really bad for your team. And I, I think that Minnesota is a lot better than, than what they played like in week one. I just think there's too much on this team to be playing like that. And Indianapolis is going to be a good test. But I tell you, like Phillip Rivers, for what they wound up doing to lose the game, Phillip Rivers was still torching uh, the Jack secondary for a while. Minnesota, with those secondary problems they've got, that could be a could be rough. I mean, if those guys don't figure it out pretty quick, I mean, he could put up another good bit of yards on them and they eliminate those mistakes. It could be a different story. But I think Minnesota is going to get it done, right? I think they're going to control the clock, run the ball. Dalvin Cook's going to have a big game. Uh, I, I think the Rams might beat Philly, just saying. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like what I saw the Rams in week one. They're paying all their dudes. They're doing their thing. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, um, the, the defense looks like a lot more of a competent unit than they have been. So, I don't know. But we'll see how it plays out. Let's go ahead and move over to uh, number four drink. You got Dallas. They blew it pretty big in week one, speaking of the Rams, uh, against them in multiple ways. So Atlanta is coming to the Jerry Dome 1 p.m. So the Cowboys wind up losing this game to what is a suspect Falcons team. We know how the circus is around this team. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is the panic meter at for the Cowboys? I'm going to go – it got to be – I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to tell you why. First of all, the Falcons got this lame duck coach that just out here wearing the headset until you get the pink slip. First, first and foremost, right? And then you got the Cowboys out here with this put together offense. Like you can say whatever you want to say, but this offense on paper probably top five when you you include all the talent that's on this offense, and they only made it better. Oh, by the way, you only got the same offensive coordinator you had last year. Oh, by the way, you just brought in a Super Bowl winning coach. So, like, what what, what are we doing here? Now, if you – defensively, they got some problems, not going to lie. And they took some injuries. They took a, quite a few injuries in week one. I got all that. But still, you still got enough talent to beat this version of the Atlantic Falcons. Like, let's not mince for words here. You should be able to beat them. I'm not saying like they bottom of the barrel barrel, but they're definitely beatable for a team like the Dallas Cowboys that invest so much into their offense like they have done. You got way too much money out there on the field. And listen, I'm going to tell you like this, Mr. I want 40 mil. If you cannot beat the Falcons, just hang it up, bro. Stop asking for this outrageous money. Finish on a franchise tag, and hopefully somebody need a quarterback that you can go to in the offseason. Because if they go 0-2, I don't want to hear this, hey, they can get away with it because this is Mike McCarthy's first year. No. Like, that that ain't it. That ain't it. Maybe Mike McCarthy can get away with it because it's his first year. <laughs> but the rest of this team, no, 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 no. no. Y'all out here, you want to break the bank. You want to do this and do that. Win. You got to win. Bottom line, you got to win. So, I think, yeah, I I would say from from one to ten, it got to be about a seven at that point. Yeah, I think I think seven's about right uh, as well. Um, and it pro- you could probably argue just a little bit higher, maybe in the seven eight range, um, because yeah, and the and the biggest reason is because it's Dallas, and you know everything's just magnified in Dallas, you know, and just you know and you know how it is with all the Dallas Cowboy fans, you know, oh this is our year, and we're saying it for about what about a part of twenty five years. 
it's never their year. And when and I'm and I'm, I'm being serious. You brought up the point I brought up on several times. You know, there 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 will be the built-in excuse that oh yeah, Mike McCarthy's first year. You know, we're trying to get you know we're trying to get comfortable with him, and we you know that's why we couldn't do it, and that's why Dak you know couldn't make enough plays. And it, despite all the talent that he has, and we talk about we juxtapose that with some of the you know nonsense that Carson Wentz. You know, you got a bunch of Madden creative players out there. Um, and he still finds a way to get it done. Um, you know, generally speaking, especially go back to week 16 of last season. And that's all you need to know. And that's all you need to know why Carson Wentz is worth the money and why Dak isn't. Um, I'll tell you one thing. If they, if the Cowboys lose this game, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be about a 10 panic meter for the uh, Dak Prescott uh, agency, whoever, you know, is representing him because they losing dollar bills. If this, if, if they can't find a way to win some of these games, um, the Ram, I'm telling you, I, we, I think we all still think the Rams, or oh, the bottom of the barrel in the uh, AF, uh, the NFC West, yep. and the Falcons. The Falcons. I mean, it's going to be. You would think they could be better than Carolina, but I don't think that's. In, I don't think that's a sure thing because Dan Quinn is, like you say, he's a lame duck coach. I mean, it's him and Matt Patricia. Those guys. They could have been gone last year, and it, it, the, the prospects aren't brighter for them this year. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a seven eight. I think this is a game you have to win. But also keep this in mind. Much like we just said uh, previously. Nine or ten wins could win this division. They could win the NFC East. But the, the Cowboys, you know what's going to happen. They're inevitably going to go eight and eight. They're going to miss the playoffs by a game. But they'll have the, the built-in excuse of Mike McCarthy's first year. And we'll just – maybe we'll franchise Dak again and we'll give him the Kirk Cousins treatment. Yeah, real quick. I mean, I, I think it's a solid A. I think this team has a lot of expectations and internally at least. And I think that the Cowboys have sent a message to Dak like – you know, maybe they aren't thinking about paying him long term. I mean, you talk about the franchise tag. They didn't move. I mean, they never wavered. And I think they're looking for big things out of him. And if you're 0-2, I mean, if Dak goes 41 of 50 for 450 yards and four touchdowns, they're probably winning. You know what I mean? So if he does say he has some extraordinary game, they're not going to lose. So if they lose, it's likely he had a rough game. And it's just kind of adding on to that fuel of the fire of, hey, maybe this isn't uh, – we got to go shopping. But now you've got this, like, a lot of guys that are paid and ready to win now. Your coach kind of ready to win now. You're going to be a quarterback. It'd be kind of a mess. All right, Jay, last one. Uh, according to Elias Sports Bureau, the 2020 Texans are the second team to face the reigning MVP and Super Bowl MVP in their first two games. The 2004 Colts, the other, having faced Steve McNair and Tom Brady in weeks one and two. Those Colts went one and one in those games and finished 12 and four. So is this game a must win for the Texans? <laughs> I want to say the must win because, listen, I mean, History repeats forget, itself. Just, no, no, no. Listen, no, you just forget about it. This I, I, I ain't even go, I ain't even gonna say one negative thing about Bill O'Brien in this mini segment. Because the Texans got dealt the most rawest deal imaginable, like Drink said, first place schedule and all that. But my lord, to have the last two regular season MVPs plus the Super Bowl MVP for last season in back-to-back weeks, and we we expect completely hundred percent. For these two teams to be the class of the AFC, I forget. Houston, they got no chance. Absolutely no chance. Forget about it. And I ain't even, look, we, we can come back and holler at Bill O'Brien and criticize, you know, some of the things he do, particularly as a general manager, that, it, you know, ain't up to par. Don't get me started on the De- De- DeAndre Hopkins trade. But, no, this, this ain't a must win. Of course it ain't a must win because there's no expect, ain't no expectation for them to win anything this week. No. Listen, um, <laughs> look, 
this is a first place schedule, but golly, man, did you really have to do them like this? Listen, the only thing worse than having to face these two teams in your first two games is the fact that you trade away DeAndre Hopkins for two flapjacks. Listen, I, I don't know what Bill O'Brien did, but man, he got a string of bad luck. Like, listen, you got beat up all offseason for having the, the worst trade and it wasn't even close. And then they hit you with this schedule like, hey, man, look, listen, you, you, you know, you're a pretty good team, so you got to play other pretty good teams. No, 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 no. This ain't playing other pretty good teams. This is playing two of the best teams back-to-back. And I ain't talking they got old Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They got young in their prime quarterbacks over here. Like, come on, man. You, like, could, really? you could argue, yeah, you could argue these quarterbacks haven't even reached their prime. Mm-hmm. Not, you right? know what I'm saying? So you like, listen, the Ravens, they it's people predicting them to go 16 and no. Come on, man. Then I gotta play Patrick Mahomes fresh off a 503 contract. This is bull crap. So listen, I'm with Jay on this, man. It's not a must win. Um, if now listen, they are playing with house money. So if they were to win, you can only go up from here, right? So, but must win, no, nah, I don't think nobody gonna fault them for starting 0 and 2. Nah. I don't think so either. I mean, hey, hey, what though? Tell, history repeats itself. One and one, you get that too. I don't know. What, I don't remember what the stat is. Whereas, like, you start one and one versus you start zero and two, and your playoff chances, like the numbers <laughs> go. But um, I, I think the, the point we made earlier about some of the divisions being weaker, I think they could probably recover from zero and two if they need to. All right, last and sort of least, we have our week two slow roll to the restart of college football. There are a few more top 25 teams in action this weekend, including Oklahoma State, Pittsburgh, and somehow Louisiana, not Louisiana State, is number 19. We do have one top 25 matchup, which is Miami taking on Louisville. We also got to think that Notre Dame and South Florida could be fun. So, Drink, uh, some decent games. Which one has you the most interested? Well, listen, first and foremost, let me go ahead and make sure I roll this out for the, the wonderful listeners of this show. Um, next week, you, you know what time it is, Saturday. We, we, got, we got the main event coming through, better known as the uh, SEC conference getting it, getting it started. So this week, you better enjoy it, ACC. You better enjoy that prime time. If you're Clem- – well, you know what, Clemson, they're going to be prime time regardless. But the rest of the, S- the ACC, you better enjoy what you're going to get now. The Big 12 band, Georgia's beating the crap out of – did you see that schedule from the Big 12 uh, last Saturday? I it's, mean, they was out here playing better. some. They was playing some. I was like, oh, this is some bull. Yeah, holding some L's, too. I mean, uh, Iowa State did its yearly drop out of the top 25 in week one thing against, what was it? Uh, right. I don't remember who it was. And Kansas State loses to Arkansas State. That's not what you. That's not how you want to start Big 12. I think Iowa lost Louisiana. Team I just mentioned. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Got him ranked. <laughs> So, like, listen, um, but to the teams that will play this weekend, um, I do like the Notre Dame matchup. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting. Uh, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, that seemed like, you know, for what it's worth, it, it might be okay. Uh, I, I, I did expect a little more out of Syracuse, but I think the head coach is um, pretty occupied with defending himself with being one of the only, you know, one of the few black coaches in the Power Five conference. Um, I did – Hear them reference that a lot during their first game, and it, it did make me think, like, yeah, maybe he is dealing with a lot, you know, being the voice of that movement as far as that conference go. Um, but listen, um, 
I looked at this slate, and I, I just I'm gonna be perfectly honest here. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm glad we got football. I don't I don't want to sound ungrateful. I don't want to sound because I you know just months ago I'm saying I don't give a rip who play. I just want football, and I still feel that way. But um, a lot of these games are, are kind of hard to uh, gas up, so to say. Um, so. I, I'm interested in, like I said, I'm interested in seeing Notre Dame um, in action with South Florida. Um, I'm always interested in Clemson, even though it's the Citadel. I just want to see how they're going to keep the motor running against these powder puffs until, the, you know, some, some actual heat come down, you know, down the pipe for them. But outside of that, man, man, these slim, these slim pickings out here. We almost had one uh, – well, hold on. I'm being disrespectful to Miami and Louisville. Hold up. Let me bring that back it, right quick. That's fine. Just, just speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me let me bring that back right quick. Um, that might be a game. That might be a game. I'm interested in this Louisville quarterback. I've been hearing all this hype. You know, he was one of the most efficient guys in the, in the country last year. Miami, you know, they rolled out De'Aaron King last week. Uh, they looked at okay. I wasn't overly impressed, but they looked at all right, you know. The, the U, you know, if they beat Louisville, then I'm going to have to hear about how the U is back. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, but, you know, I think the game, that, that seems like the game. They got it in the 7.30 slot for ABC. So that's Kirk Herbstreet and um, Chris Fowler calling that. So that should be the game to watch. Um, so I am interested in that, and I'm interested in seeing Clemson and Notre Dame. So outside of those three, you know, it is what it is. Yep, drinks, drinks absolutely right about one thing. Uh, this is the uh, kind of the ACC week to shine, so to speak, maybe, because uh, that's kind of really the only major stuff that's going on. SEC will start next week, like you said. Uh, it's not going to feel like a real college football team until the SEC gets underway. And then when the Big Ten finally, you know, gets into action, that's part, when we're really yeah. going to see some things. And, oh, by the way, can we just – you mentioned all these like teams that are ranked. You know, like I think it, I'm pretty sure it's six ACC teams that are ranked right now. You know what that? You know what that's all about right now, because the bit the Big Ten like isn't in action, and you know the SEC like I think they've still got a bunch of teams ranked, but because the Big Ten like isn't like anywhere close to like playing. You know, there's like six, five or six teams that would be in the top 25. So the ACC right now, really, in all honesty, is about in a spade's hand. It's two and a P. It's Clemson, North Carolina, and maybe Virginia Tech. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like that. 17, 18, like Miami, Louisville. That's only because, you know, all those teams in the preseason rankings dropped out. So it's like, oh, yeah, 17, 18. That sounds really good. And, you know, we got Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit are going to do the thing after a pretty, pretty good – they did a really good job in uh, that first Monday night football game in the doubleheader. Uh, Pittsburgh and New York Giants. That was really good. Um, but yeah, this is, yeah, this is the old, you know, this is the old Okadoke switcheroo, whatever, bamboozle, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. This is, this is not real. You know, that if, if it was a real college football team, these teams would not be in the top 25 and they would not be playing on Saturday night football. Um, but you know, Hey, the, the ACC, you know, one of the things I, I, I talked about last year, and I think it will be a theme again this year. Um, it's kind of, who is going to be that team that, you know, kind of rises from the ashes of the mediocre coastal division? Because we know in the Atlantic, it's, it's Clemson and just everybody just like, you know, just I don't even know what they're doing. They're just like Clemson's like, you know, they're on a uh, they're on a they're on a jet and everyone else is like kind of in a horse and buggy, that kind of thing. 
They're, they're never, they're not catching them, you know, forget about it. But um, I mean, maybe it's North Carolina. We'll see how they progress. Um, you know, there I say, you know, maybe Miami comes out and, you know, they just dominate Louisville and Derek King does the thing. And, you know, maybe, oh, God forbid, I got to see a turnover chain pop out. You know, you know how I just love to see that. Virginia Tech, Virginia, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, that's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, uh, division. Uh, we just don't quite know what to expect. But, um, yeah, uh, like Drink said, enjoy it, ACC, because uh, come next week, we're going to be, we're going to be locked in on the SEC. Yeah, as, as a little nugget for what Drink was talking about with the, with the these less subpar matchups, the ESPN game tonight, 7.30, yes, not news or two or six or ocho or whatever, is the Campbell fighting Camels and Coastal Carolina change to clears, I think is what you say. It was some it was something to do with the, the changes and the cancellations. This is what actually fell to primetime ESPN on Friday night. So well, th- well, well thank God that we're recording this show right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh it's that yeah it's probably midway through, isn't it? But uh yeah, I mean so I, I think Miami and, and Louisville is a little bit interesting because like you said, Jay, someone at some point has to rise up out of this ACC. Okay. Like North Carolina is kind of doing it, but it's been the Clemson show for a while now. I mean, we're we're sitting here waiting for another team to get their act together and come up and challenge Clemson. I mean, Florida State hasn't been good in five years. They just lost Georgia Tech. So forget them. In your analogy, they'd be the roadkill, the buggies pass 20 miles back. They're out of it. Um, But, you know, it feels like, uh, yes, I said in North Carolina that Louisville and Miami – both are on the rise, more or less, and, and it. I think this game is the, the winner. of This game is going to get a real big confidence boost towards continuing that trajectory. You know, uh, this game was really good last year. They played last year. It was a 52-27 game, but Louisville was like throwing it all over the field. They had like 500 yards of offense. Uh, Mikael Cunningham had a he had a 56% completion, 343 yards, three touchdowns. Like, uh, and there's a there's a ton of hype. Like if you read the previews that for this Louisville offense, it, they're saying it, it's reminiscent of like those Lamar Jackson teams where the offense was just ridiculous, but maybe the, the defense wasn't quite as good. They were, they were a top 24 offense last year. Um, so, you know, they got a nice stable of running backs. Uh, they just had a top 10 pick then all in the O line. And they got another kid that's going to get drafted high. So, and you think on the other side of the coin, Miami trying to build that identity, you know, Manny Diaz, we know is big defensive grinder guy, you know, are they going to establish that identity? Are they actually going to become that team or are they just going to keep screwing around like they're doing? So, you know, in a week where we don't have a whole lot, you got to kind of can create them stories a little bit. I gotta, I'm just saying, this one could be gotta, fun. It could be a fun I got, game. I got to jump in. Are you on the ESPN payroll right now? I see what you're I, doing. I wish. You're trying to hype this up. I wouldn't be here. Much respect, and much, hey, much respect to you. But then you come out here and you're talking about, hey, yeah, hey, did you see the dude that, you know, Makai Beckton that they sent to the NFL draft? You're trying to hype up this game based off a dude that ain't on the field no more for this team? Well, on, if man. they're recruiting dudes like him, you know yeah. they're getting a couple more. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm just no, no, no. Listen, I, I ain't mad at you for. I, I mean, whatever. Somebody got to do it. But I want to hear what what was that that exciting score last year? It was fifty two to what? It was fifty two twenty seven at the end of the game. It was one. What? Of the, that's, we know how that sounded like a shootout, boy. That was a was shootout. A shootout. Who, yeah, whoever had the ball last in that one. I'm just that saying, sound, it, it, was a, like, it was a fun more like game. like a firing squad. Like three or three and a half quarters, whatever the case may be. Bottom line, the, the team who does win this game, they're going to get a pretty big confidence boost because if there was ever a year where an ACC team needs to make a run and they, they're going to have opportunities. You know, Notre Dame's top, top 10, Clemson, you know, you got some opportunities. So win this game, get on the right track. Maybe we can get another team besides freaking Clemson up in here. That's going to do something every year. 
All right, guys, I'm finished off with rapid reaction. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Let's go drink. Let's roll, babe. T today it was announced by ESPN that Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo has won his second straight NBA MVP award. Well deserved, right? It absolutely is. So much as you uh, want to cri be critical of, uh, you know, the postseason failures the past few years by the Greek freak, um, he's absolutely been the best player in the, the last two regular seasons. It is a regular season award. So, yeah, it absolutely is well deserved. On Thursday, LeBron James said his respect level for the Denver Nuggets is out of this world due to their back-to-back 3-1 series comebacks. Is that the right approach? Yeah, I'm right, LeBron. Keep it going. Make sure the rest of the guys know that, too. Don't be out here slacking and fooling around because then you're going to be a meme just like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is right now. Reported by the stadium, ACC, the ACC and Big Ten Challenge have strong momentum to be moved to December 8th and 9th. Jay, your thoughts? Eh, eh, coronavirus just messing up everything. You expect everything to get moved around. Not, not that big a deal to me now. Gordon Haywood is progressing toward returning for game three for the Celtics per Jared Weiss of the Athletic. It's good news, right? It's good news. Will it help? We'll find out once the game is played, but definitely good news. You, he got to give you more help than harm. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with good news on that. Veteran running back C.J. Anderson, who went to a Pro Bowl and won a Super Bowl, is retiring from the NFL at the age of 29. Anderson now plans to pursue a coaching career. Are you surprised that he's retiring at such a young age? You know, I'm, I'm honestly more surprising that it seems like year after year this is a guy who just – you know, for whatever reason, just can't seem to get a job. As much as, like, you know, people like clowning for looking out of shape, he's always productive, like, when he, um, you know, when he's on the field. You think about when the Rams went to the Super Bowl and how he, you know, ran the football throughout that playoff run when Todd Gurley was not himself. That's the more uh, surprising thing to me than him retiring at this point. It's been reported that an exhibition match between uh, pay-per-view king Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus YouTube, YouTube star Logan Paul has reportedly been signed. What do you make of that, Drew? This dude, hey, Floyd Mayweather, man, this dude here is so smart. He just be out here fighting random dudes, getting paid boatloads of money to do it. God, he's so smart. This is ridiculous. But uh, listen, that people going to pay to watch it because this YouTube star guy, he did a million on the, on the DAZN app fighting another YouTube guy. So it's like, hey, why not, Floyd? If they're going to give you the money, you might as well take it. The Chicago White Sox have clinched their first playoff berth since 2008 and have the best record in the American League at 33 and 17. Does this surprise you? It doesn't surprise me that they're uh, that they clinched a playoff berth or, or that they're going to the playoffs. It does surprise me that it's a little bit this early, and that's based on the uh, you know that 33 and 17 record. But I, I did mention the White Sox a few times in the offseason. I like the moves that they made in free agency. Uh, they're much improved, and um, so. All in all, a little bit, a little bit surprising, but uh, not all that much. Mountain West, the Mountain West Conference is aggressively exploring options to play an eight-game fall season, culminating with a December nineteenth Mountain West title game, and that's from Stadium. Big deal, little deal, no deal. No deal. Fox broadcaster Joe Buck was informed at halftime while he was on air that he had won the Pete Rozelle Award, which means. He is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Do you agree with this choice, Jay? Mm, yeah, I don't. I don't know about this one. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> been doing he's been doing his job for a long time. You know, it's not like he's in, incompetent at the job. I would just tell you, you know, I would go Jim Nance and uh, 
Al Michaels before I even think about a guy like Joe Buck. That's all I'm saying. No disrespect. Ooh. Last one, UFC Fight Night. Covington versus Woodley goes down in Las Vegas at the UFC Apex with a UFC welterweight main event between the number two ranked contender Colby Covington and the number five ranked Tyron Woodley. What you got, Drink? Hey, I'm going to go with Colby Covington. Um, I think he's in Tyron Woodley's head. He wear a hat that say, make America great again. And then he drops Donald Trump's name twice. And now Tyron Woodley is the second coming of the Black Panthers. He's just doing too much. All right? Just, just doing too much. I think Covington is in Woodley's head. Um, and I think Woodley I, – I would not – it's a high chance for me to think that Woodley might just get knocked out of here because Covington is all in his head. So I'm definitely going to take Covington in this one. All right. Like Lizzie's drink of wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, may tomorrow better than, than today and may today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. Go Lakers. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.